Good morning. We're so glad that you're here at Life Point. We know that at the beginning of a year, it's not technically the first Sunday, but it's the beginning of a year. And so we know that we have a lot of people. Uh, we have guests each and every week, but at the beginning of the year, we know that we have folks who uh, make a, a commitment that I need to re-engage in church or, or go to church. So we have people from all over the spectrum. We have people that have really never been involved in church uh, in their entire life, people who once were uh, disengaged years ago and now trying to re-engage. We have people that have been in church all their life. Uh, so we have people all over the board. And so what I, what I want to do today, we're starting a new series. Uh, but in that, I want you to know why we're doing that new series. And in order to do that, I want to tell you who we are, remind you of who we are. If you've been here for a while and if you're new, help you to understand who we are and begin to help you to understand why we do what we do. Because I know you have a lot of different perspectives uh, of church. Some of you have been involved in church. It wasn't a great experience. Uh, some of you have seen some stuff on TV or had a friend and, uh, that had a bad experience or, or, or whatever kind of experience, and that has flavored or colored your perspective of the church. And so we want to help you to understand who we are and what we do. And, and, and we do that by just simply, wanting, I wanted you to know, first and foremost, the Bible is our authority. Everything we do uh, is from the Bible. Everything's about Jesus and, and, and everything's out of the Bible because the Bible is our authority. I, my primary job as, as your pastor is to preach the whole counsel, as the Bible says, of God's Word. Because if we preach the whole counsel of God's Word, that leads to knowledge. Knowledge, according to Titus, leads to godliness. As you understand who God is and know God, you, then you can become like God. So knowledge leads to godliness. That's why uh, uh, the Bible is so important to us because I take the job very seriously because the Bible is God's revelation of himself and it is our standard of living, okay? And that's why we're partial to preaching through books of the Bible. Now, we are preaching through the book of Romans. Uh, we'll jump back into that in February, okay? And so, but we're going to take the month of January and preach a more of a thematic uh, uh, topic of prayer, okay? And, and so we're going to do that in January, but typically we preach through books of the Bible, uh, and we do that for, for uh, several reasons. One, we want you to get the overall uh, meaning of that book, and we want to exegete verse by verse uh, and, and through a book of the Bible to help you to understand God's Word. And when we're preaching through books of the Bible, you know, we, we have to preach what's there. I, I can't skip something because it's controversial or because I would rather not preach it because, well, I, this is a hard subject. I don't want to make people too mad. I want to stay away from it. We can't do that. We have to preach what's there, okay? And so, so we generally preach through books of the Bible because we really want you to know God's Word. We want to unpack it. Another thing we're going to do with the Word when we preach it is we're committed to exegesis, not eisegesis. And let me explain what that means, okay? Exegesis means that as we're breaking down the Word, we are, we're pulling out what's there, okay? And, and that seems to make sense. You'd say, okay, that's what you should do. But what happens is most, most people have a tendency to fall into eisegesis, which means I'm reading into Scripture something that's not there, okay? So we can pull out what's there, which is what we want to do, or we can read into uh, Scripture something that's not there. It's very easy to take verses out of context, very easy to read into Scripture stuff that's not there, even when we have good intentions, right? It's very easy to do that. We're committed to not do that. Baptists are the butt of many jokes because of this. I mean, you know, Baptists are the butt of many jokes about, well, Baptists, you know, they don't drink, they don't play cards, they don't dance, right? And, and uh, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't uh, uh, play cards, we don't drink, we don't, we'll never be seen in a liquor store. Notice I said seen, right? Uh, if you are, I'm sure you got that good go-to. Well, I had to have some wine for cooking, right? So, uh, 
We, uh, uh, we're the butt of many jokes, and, 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 and it's laughable, it's, it, it's funny, but it's also sad because it's the result of bad eisegesis. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, if you are, and don't get me wrong, if you're playing cards, it leads to uh, gambling in a way that you are completely losing your shirt, your family's suffering, you're not tithing, uh, you don't have enough money, that's sinful. All right, that, that, that is a sinful form of, of gambling. If you uh, dancing and you're dancing in a way that's provocative or you're part of someone else dancing in a provocative way that leads to sexual immorality, that's sinful, right? I mean, if you're drinking and getting drunk uh, and you wake up and you don't know where you are, how you got there, where your pants are, where to get home, where your keys are, then that's sinful, Right? That's sinful. The Bible's clear about those things, but there's nothing wrong in and of themselves of, of cards, of, of dancing, of, of, of even alcohol, right? And what happens is people uh, want to help God out with good intention most of the time. People say, okay, God says this is the line. The line is, for instance, on alcohol, the line is drunkenness. Don't get drunk. So what happens is people say, well, let's help God out. If God says not get drunk, then let's back the line up over here. And if people won't touch alcohol, they won't get drunk. But that sounds like a good intention. The problem is it's just sinful in and of itself because that's more sinful because it's adding to God's word putting words in God's mouth that he didn't say, and it's actually holding people to a higher standard than what Jesus did because Jesus drank wine, okay? And so, so when we do that, we're holding people to a different standard than even Jesus lived up to, right? So it's okay completely for you to not drink, right? It's okay completely for you to never touch the stuff. That is completely okay, right? Uh, there's various reasons why some of you should, but... It's when you look at someone else and hold them to that same standard that you enter the realm of judgment because that's not Bible, okay? Now, why am I talking about that? I talk about it because it's a good social and cultural illustration of, of how people confuse the Bible, eisegete the Bible, hold you to different standards than the Bible, and I use that as an illustration to let you know we at LifePoint love the Word too much to pervert it. And when we add to it, we pervert it. When we take away from it, we pervert it. We love it so much that what we're going to do is we're going to preach what the Bible says, nothing more, nothing less. We're going to hold you to that standard, nothing more, nothing less, okay? So I want you to understand who we are and what we believe about the Bible because you have so many different perspectives. Now, because the Bible is so important to us, we want to do what it says. As a result, we're ascending church. We're ascending church, which means we believe that God has called all Christians to live sent, commanded all Christians to live sent. Now, when I say that, I say sent, S-E-N-T. I say that because I, when I've preached all over the country in different places about this, and I, I could challenge people to live sent every time because of my southern accent, especially when I'm in the northern part of the country, somebody comes up to me and says, oh, did you say we should live sin? And I, like S-I-N, I said, no, ma'am, we should live sent, S-E-N-T, okay? So I just want to make sure you understand that. So, so the Bible commands all Christians to live sent, right? Uh, if you are saved, Jesus saved you to send you. He saved you to send you. Some of you will be sent across the ocean. Some of you will be sent to a cross-cultural context, to a different country to share the gospel, to plant churches. Most of you will be sent to your office tomorrow, to your school tomorrow, to your home today, into your neighborhood today, to the football field where you coach or your son plays, or to the, to the uh, uh, soccer field where your children are involved, or to the basketball court. All Christians are sent. The 
the context is different. The calling is the same, okay? And so that's who we are. We, we are not here uh, to, to simply, you need to understand that's why we're here. We're not here to simply you know, make a political statement. We're not here to just meet the felt needs of people. We're not here to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, as, as, to help you understand just how to be this or how to be that. Uh, we're here to absolutely, radically impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the gospel that radically changes lives. I believe, listen, we'll do all the, if, if we will uh, need to make a political statement, we'll make one, okay? But what you need to understand, we'll never make a political statement for politics. Most polit- statements that we make that are linked with politics are biblical morality issues. You know, when you get into sexuality issues, whether it's, it's transgender, whether it's homosexual issues, any of those issues that politics have hijacked, that have become marriage, that have, politics have hijacked, those are biblical issues. So if we, m- we need to make statements on those issues, we will, okay? Never for the sake of politics, always for the sake of biblical morality and, and, and holding people to the standard of the Bible, right? And so... So we, uh, we're here to radically impact people with the gospel, and we think that if people, and we know that if people hear the gospel and believe the gospel, then we know that marriages will be different. Because if people believe the gospel, then that, that means that husbands and wives will be more faithful and more forgiving of each other. Marriages will be saved and and families will be transformed. If people believe the gospel, we believe child abuse will go down. If people believe the gospel, then we believe that that addictions will be overcome, okay? So we want to meet the felt needs of people. We'll make statements when we, we need to make statements, but our objective is to help you understand God's word, to help you understand the gospel, and, and to live to that. Because as you live to that, that is when you're living for God's glory, when you will have the most joy. And so that's why we're here. We want you to understand that. And we are a sending church because that's what God has established a church. Every Christian should live sin, and every church should sin. Okay? Now, what we're entering into in the month of January is a series on prayer. Why? Because... If we're going to be a sending church, because you see, we, we, we're a sending church because we want to see disciples made. We want to see churches planted. We want to see leaders developed. We want to see marriages saved. We want to see families transformed. We want to see addictions overcame. We want to see all these things happen. And in order to do that, you know, uh, we, we're a sending church, but the, the reality is we can do none of those things in our own power. We, if we're going to be a sending church, we have to be a praying church because we can only accomplish God's purposes or God's purposes can only be accomplished through prayer, not our efforts. No matter how smart we are, no matter how many great programs we think we have, we can never accomplish God's purposes in our own power. And so today uh, uh, we're going to, to begin to unfold and look at prayer, and we're going to do that through January because we want you to, to begin to radically understand in a different way prayer and the, and, and the important role that prayer plays in your life. We're calling this series Communion and Kingdom. And the reason we're calling it Communion and Kingdom is because prayer is, uh, God, to think about this, God, it's amazing to me that the God who created the entire world, everything in it, is sovereign over the entire world and everything in it, allows me to pray, allows me to talk to him, allows you if you're a believer. That, that, that blows my mind that he allows us. 
But now think about it on a deeper level. He doesn't just allow us. He desires us to be in communion with him. He desires that relationship. And that's why we're calling it communion because it's, a, it's about developing this communion, this, this relationship with God and kingdom because it is only through prayer that we will stay aligned with the purposes of God's kingdom. Because if, if we drift into our own world, we will not be worried about God's kingdom. We will be worried about our own kingdom. We will not pursue God's kingdom. We will pursue our own kingdom. We will not live for God's kingdom. We will live for our own kingdom. And so we're calling it communion and kingdom because we want to help you this month to understand the importance of prayer in your relationship, your communion with God, and also in you staying aligned with the purposes of God. Okay? Now let me give you a few prayer quotes because, man, prayer... Uh, uh, is incredibly important, and some, some great theologians and pastors of many years ago have uh, given us some great quotes on prayer that I want to share with you today. One is John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom said this, the just man doesn't desist from praying until he ceases to be just. The just man doesn't desist from praying until he ceases to be just. Good quote. Look at the next one. The next one is from Augustine. Augustine said, he that loves little, prays little. He that loves little, prays little. And he that loves much, prays much. Man, I can completely relate to that, right? Uh, Pierre Lacombe said, he who has a pure heart will never cease to pray. And he who is constant in prayer will know what it is to have a pure heart. Incredible quote, right? Uh, and then if we go on, you got John, uh, John Bunyan. John Bunyan simply said this, if you're not a praying person, you're not a Christian. Boy, that's succinct, succinct and direct, isn't it? If you're not a praying person, you're not a Christian. And then uh, Richard Baxter says, prayer is the breath of a new creature. Prayer is the breath of a new creature. And finally, George Herbert uh, says that prayer is the soul's blood. Now, these are some incredible pastors, incredible theologians from years ago, and they have spoken many more words about prayer, but these are some quotes that helps us to understand how important prayer is. It's vital. It's, it's crazy important to our spiritual vitality. But you know what? Even though it's important, it's probably the most neglected part of most Christians walk with the Lord. It's probably the most neglected part of our Christian walk, if we're honest. I don't know if anybody in, in, in this room today would say, I'm a pro-prayer, right? Most of us would say, man, I'm just trying to get on the JV team when it comes to prayer, right? I mean, I, I feel that way sometimes. I want you to know uh, uh, this is not something that I have down either. I mean, prayer is, is neglected because it's hard and confusing, right? I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard for multiple reasons. It, it's hard because, you know, I mean, when I, I get up every morning and uh, I, I, you know, I take my shower, I do all that stuff, and then I go into my office at home before I come to the office at work, before I take the kids to school, and I go into a time of prayer. I do that because I, if I wait till I get to the office, I know it's not going to happen because when I come in, it's bang, 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 right? So I go into my office and prayer with every intention of, man, I want to have this, this prayer time, and it's so hard for me. You know why? Because it, I, I get so distracted. I don't know if you, you would never know this about me, but I've got ADD, Okay. And, and I, you would never know that because I overcome it. Really, I hide it really good, I mean, right? Wrong. So uh, I see squirrels everywhere all the time. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm fighting. I see that squirrel running across right now. So, uh, so you know, I go in my prayer room, and, 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 and I start to pray in my office, and then all of a sudden, man, I start, I'm, I'm praying, and all of a sudden, my, my, I need to change my fantasy football lineup today. <laughs> 
I mean, I got to make sure nobody picked up that dude, right? And then I'm thinking about that, and the next thing I know, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, come on, gotta get on back, right? Squirrel, or went that squirrel running across. And then, you know, I'm thinking about, oh, you know, you gotta, gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure Amy does this today, and I gotta come back. And, and then, I mean, it's just crazy stuff, stuff like, you know, I'm praying and I'm thinking, Donald Trump's hair. What's he thinking? Or, or just take off hair. What's he thinking? You know, I, I mean, uh, just, you know, that's how distracting, right? I mean, are you with me? Do you ever get distracted when you're praying? I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, why do I do that? I mean, you know, and so I get distracted, and so it's hard. Prayer's hard because I, sometimes I don't feel like I know how, right? I mean, I know, I think you're with me here. I mean, it's like, do I close my eyes? Please not if you're driving, okay? You can pray when you're driving. Don't close your eyes. Uh, do I get on my knees? Do I, do, I, do I hold my hands in a, you know, like this? I mean, is there a special language? Do I have to use these and vowels and dynasts? And uh, I mean, is that God's language? I mean, uh, you know, is there a formula? I mean, sometimes we just don't know how. And there, there are multiple reasons, but prayer's hard, right? Prayer's hard. I believe it's hard, to be quite honest with you, because, I mean, if we really play, pray, we really get to know our inner self a little bit more than sometimes we want to, and we have to deal with that. But it's hard. Prayer's confusing. You know, I mean, I, I think prayer's confusing. Let me tell you why I think prayer's confusing. I think it's confusing because everybody prays. I think, I think one of the reasons it's confusing is because you look around and everybody's talking about praying, praying for you, right? I mean, you, put, you, you got troubles and everybody on Facebook praying for you, you know, our prayers are the little prayer hands. They just put, you know, that's, that's the comment, just the little prayer hands. And do you really think people are praying for you? No, it's just a new way of saying, dang, I hate that. You know, I mean... I, People, most of those people aren't, I got news for you, most of those people hadn't thought about you since they put that, okay? And, and, and so, so, you know, I mean, everybody prayed. Last night, I'm watching the, the, the football game, you know, the Pittsburgh and the, and the, and the uh, Bengals game. And, man, I, I, it, was, it was a comical game, really. And, and I'm watching it, and I look over, and they show the sideline, and you got these Pittsburgh Steelers, and, man, it's tight in a tense game. They're down on their knees, and, man, they're clasping hands. And you see one of them just praying. And, I mean, he's really praying. He's going after it. And you know, you know he's not praying for world peace and for people to come know Jesus. God, help those Bengals to know you, Jesus. That's not what he's praying right? He's praying, God, help him to go to hell today. He, I mean, if he's praying for the Bengals, right? What he's praying for is, God, we know you can give us victory. God, we know this. You're right. I mean, he's praying for victory. And, I, and my first thought, you know what my first thought was? I, I sort of laughed and I said, wow, he's praying for victory. And my first thought was, if God, if prayer really controls who wins a football game and people praying, the Titans fan are a bunch of stinking atheists, Okay. <laughs> I mean, we need to pray on Sundays. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's confusing. You know, it's not just Christians that pray. Did you know that? It's not just Christians that pray. I mean, uh, did you realize that, that Muslims pray five times a day? Five times a day. Jews pray three times a day. I, I mean, you know, Buddhists, they fling their prayers in the air through a prayer wheel. I don't know, but they fling their prayers in the air through a prayer wheel. Hindus, uh, I mean, they pray to multiple gods like Buddhists, but they pray, and, and their supreme god is Brahman, and they want to be in union with Brahman, and the reason they want to be in union with Brahman is to escape the cycle of reincarnation so I don't come back as a dog next year, you know, or when I die. 
I don't want to do that. And so they want to escape that. And so, uh, you know, they, they pray. Native Americans, you've seen maybe they chant their prayers or sing their prayers. And, you know, it's not just, it, even people that don't believe in God pray. Studies of, so, uh, of sociological and religious behavior have concluded that even atheists pray. 30% of atheists say they pray. 17% of people who claim to be atheists pray regularly. I don't have a clue what they're praying to or who. They don't either, but they pray. Now, listen, uh, you, know, you remember a few months ago with the Paris attacks, uh, the, uh, the uh, terrorist attacks in Paris, 129 people died. Instagram said over 70 million people shared their prayers uh, for Paris on Instagram. Even though most of them are spiritually clueless. Man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my prayer. Pray for Paris, trending hashtag, one of the number one hashtags, right? And here's what I want you to understand. That doesn't give me a warm fuzzy to know that everybody prays. That doesn't cause me to go, oh, the world is just coming to God. The world is so spiritual because everybody's praying, and that's cool. And, man, I'm so happy. doesn't give me a warm fuzzy at all. Matter of fact, it just reveals how confused people are about prayer, how confusing it is because everybody talks about praying. And, and, and so it's very confusing. And so what we, what we want to do is, is, is uh, in January here, we want to sort of help you understand some things about prayer. Today I want to talk about the necessity of prayer. Next week we're going to talk about specifically some how-tos in how to pray from the model prayer, okay? But today what I want to do is just do a little survey of the book of Acts. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to share some passages that you can go look up about prayer in the book of Acts and, and, and what was going on there, and, uh, and, and hopefully you're going to begin to understand, man, we need to be a praying church. I need to be a praying individual, a praying Christian. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the very first part of the verse. We call it 14a. Okay, it says this, all these, now, who are these? Well, in the, in the first chapter of Acts, Luke is writing Acts. Luke wrote his gospel, and Acts is the sequel to his gospel. His gospel was about the life of Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus. Then he wrote Acts as the sequel, and it tells about how the Holy Spirit birthed the church and, and then what was going on with the church in the world. So at this time, in Acts 1, there's about 120 believers, 120 Christians. So think about that, all right? Now, today, we know there are Christians meeting all over the world. Uh, we have churches, campuses in Bangkok and in Brussels, and uh, as well as multiple here in Tennessee. But the church wasn't even born yet, as we know the church today. There were about 120 Christians, right? And Jesus, in, in Acts 1, Luke records that Jesus goes to the 120 believers. He goes to the, the Christians, and, and he says, look, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to jet back to heaven. I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. And, I, I, you know, you wait right here until you receive the Holy Spirit, who's going to empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? One of the great commissions. So the disciples are there. They're waiting, 120 people. Now, think about this. What if this congregation today, right here, was the only church in the world, no other Christians, and Jesus said those same things to you. Then you're feeling the weight. Uh-oh, this entire thing hinges on me. I, I mean, man, he's passed the baton, right? He's passed the baton to me. I mean, this is up to us. There are no Christians in the world. I mean, we got to get after this thing. We've got to, we, 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 he gave us this mission. What? Well, first off, I want you to know that is exactly the situation today. There are other Christians all over the world, but we've got to act like there's not. We've got to organize. We've got to be passionate. We've got to literally dream and pursue and set everything we do as if there's not. And it's on you because it is. 
right? So I want you to feel that weight. Now, I want you to understand, if he gave you that, you know what we're going to do in our Western world? Man, we're going to form up some committees. I'm going to form up, okay, you guys got to get together and figure out this. You guys got to get together and figure out that. You guys got to get, man, somebody come up with an evangelism strategy for us. And somebody's got to write an evangelism plan. You know, share Jesus without fear, EE, which is not bad stuff. I'm, I'm just saying, we got, and, and then we got to study it for several years, know enough verses. Then we'll begin sharing our faith, right? That's generally how we would do things. That's not what they did. Man, they didn't start strategizing. They didn't start, uh, and strategy's important. <laughs> don't, I'm not, don't, don't hear me say that. Strategy's important. What did they do? Well, here's what they did. All these with one accord. They didn't have a Honda, okay? It was uh, all these with one accord were devoting, look at this word, devoting themselves to prayer. Jesus put the mission on your shoulders. Man, I, I, we, we got to pray, Way over our head. We can't do this. I mean, you want us, Jesus, to take the gospel? You want us to plant churches? You want us to preach? They're going to kill us. I mean, it ain't going to be popular. They're going to cut our heads off. And you, Man, we got to pray. We, 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 we got to pray. So they devoted. They didn't just pray. They were devoted to prayer. Why were they devoted to prayer? They were devoted to prayer to God because they were dependent upon the power of God. That, that they were completely dependent. I can't do this, okay? And so you know what happened. If you don't, maybe you're new. Let me tell you what happened. They, at the beginning, Jesus jetted back to heaven. He's there right now at the, at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit came, invaded the lives of all believers, man, empowering them, the power of God. Uh, Peter preached 3,000 people got saved. The church was born. I mean, man, 3,000, that's a large church from the beginning, isn't it? 3,000 members, bang, over 3,000, just like that. Now, that got the headlines, okay? That got the headlines. Remember, we preached through Acts a couple of years ago, and I love Acts. I love it because it tells of all that God was doing through the church to rock the world and how he used the church to do that. And I wanted us to get a glimpse of that and understand how important some of those principles are for us. But what I want to do now is come back and look at the sub-narrative of prayer through all that. Because 3,000 people getting saved, that gets the headlines. I mean, listen, if all of a sudden 3,000 people get saved today in this church, uh, then th th that means all of you are not Christians, and that's not going to happen, right? So, but if 3, 000, thousands of people got saved today, you know what's going to happen? That's going to get the headlines. That's going to get the headlines. But the sub-narrative should be, listen, let me tell you why they got saved. Because people were dependent upon God's power, so they were devoted to prayer. You see, prayer probably got buried in the back page, right, if at all mentioned. They prayed, devoted, 3,000 people got saved, the church was born. Now, let's look in Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 says, and they devoted themselves. There's that word again. You're beginning to pick up, now I could own it, on and on and on, but this is the last one I'm going to read. I'll refer to some. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, they devoted themselves to being at church, right? They devoted themselves to coming to worship, to hearing the Word of God preached, because preaching leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to godliness, according to Titus. Go look it up, Titus 1. Uh, and uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were there. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to community with each other, to the breaking of bread, which is communion, uh, you know, to the Lord's Prayer, to remembering His sacrifice. They devoted themselves to the prayers. They were devoted to praying. You see, they, 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 the church was born, and what did the church do? 
they didn't start putting together, you know, programs. They just pray. We've got to pray because we can't do this. Only God can. Now, as a result, in, in Acts 3, they're, they're, they're praying. Peter and John is going to uh, the temple to pray. It's at the time of prayer. Peter and John's going to the temple to pray. On the way, they meet a, a lame man who can't walk. God, through Peter and John, heals the lame man. What happens? As they're going to pray, he heals the lame man. It says that the number of the church grew to 5,000. So, I mean, man, you've got God saving 3,000. God's saving 2,000. I mean, you've got people, stuff that we're dreaming about, stuff that we're going, yes, are you kidding me? And it wasn't because they all knew this five-point presentation of how to share the gospel. It's important. I, I want you to understand some, have some tools in your belt. But it wasn't because of that. It wasn't because of the incredible youth ministry. It wasn't because they had the slickest worship pastor in town. It was because they were devoted to praying. You get to Acts 6. Acts 6, man, the church has grown to the point that there's some tension in the church. You know, there's tension in the church. The reason there's tension in the church is because it's growing so fast, the disciples can't keep up with serving the needs of the people, especially the widows. The widows were not being served. They were not being fed, and they didn't have anyone to take care of them in that economy. And so they, they, they had no one to take care of them. So there was tension in the church over it. And so what happened was the, the disciples said, okay, here's what we're going to do, man. We, we got the they, they said, look, you find seven men. And he gave the qual qualification. You find seven men and have them to serve the needs of the people so we can devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. They said, look, we're not going to, 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 to do, you, you organize, we've got to devote to prayer and the ministry of the word. What happened? It says that the, the church kept growing and a large number of priests got saved, gave their life to Jesus. Because they were devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. You, you, you go on to Acts 13. In Acts 13, the church is gathered together. And they're praying, and I don't believe they're praying about, Lord, what, 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 can, what can we do? I believe they're saying, Lord, how can we impact this world? How can we continue spreading your name all over the world? And God calls them to send out Peter and, and uh, Barnabas to plant churches and to, uh, to go all over the world to plant churches and share the gospel. And that was the birth. Up until that point, they had been evangelizing but they had, uh, they, had, they, had, they left Jerusalem to run for their life, but they had not yet intentionally left to share the gospel and plant churches. This was the birth of international cross-cultural missions because they had a prayer meeting and they were gathered together, to, devoted to prayer, to cry out to God, God, how can we further your mission? And God said, do this. You go to Acts 17, uh, or, or uh, I'm sorry, it's, uh, it's in Acts 7 where Stephen is being stoned to death. He's being stoned to death in Acts 7. And, you know, uh, they're throwing fastballs at his head because he's a believer. And so he's being stoned to death as, 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 the, the, as the rocks are bouncing off his head. He falls to his knees. He looks up into heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold it against them. Very reminiscent of Jesus' prayer. He had seen this model of Jesus' prayer on the cross. And he says, don't hold this against them. Well, in the crowd that day, there was a, a Pharisee named Saul who was giving approval to the killing of, of Stephen. And 
Stephen says, God, don't hold it. He had heard Stephen utter, don't hold this against him. By chapter 9, two chapters later, God opened Saul's eyes, redeemed Saul, and told him, I've set you apart to share the gospel to the nations. Saul became one of the greatest leaders, church planners in the history of the world. He, he wrote more books of the New Testament than anyone. He is a major player. And why? All because they were devoted to prayer. You get to Acts 17. What happened? Well, uh, they're, they're in, in prison. Paul and, and Silas are in prison. And they're singing and praying and singing hymns. Praying in prison. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, an earthquake comes, rattles the doors of the prison. The doors comes off the hinges. The chains fall off, right? I mean, they couldn't do that. I mean, you know, th th they couldn't knock the doors off the hinges and break their chains, but God did. So when the guard woke up, realized what happened, he was uh, literally about to fall on his sword because in that day, if you are on duty and a prisoner escapes, you would be killed. So he's literally about to fall on his sword. And Paul shouts, ho, 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 wait, slow your roll. We're still here. So that guard goes to them, dumbfounded, and he says, tell me about Jesus. One minute, this guy's your enemy. He's God's enemy. You're praying the next minute he wants to know about Jesus. All through the book of Acts, all through the New Testament, here's what you see. You see the church is being persecuted. The church is being beheaded. They're being boiled. They're, they're being ran out of town. They're being thrown into prison. And what did they do? They didn't go all militia on, on the, the, the Jews and on the people that were put Romans, the people that were putting him in jail. They didn't go militia. They didn't go Chuck Norris. They just went to their knees and began to pray. God, we are completely dependent upon your power. We cannot do this in, your, in our own power. We are completely dependent upon the power of God. And as you look through Acts, you see crazy things happening. You see, because of their devotion to prayer, prayer, you see the, the gospel is shared. People are saved. Churches are planted. Leaders are developed. I, I mean, you, you, you see, you go through, and we know that marriages and families were saved and transformed, and uh, we, we believe that can happen today. But what we need to see in the New Testament is they were devoted to prayer because they were completely dependent upon the power of God. They couldn't do these things. They couldn't get people out of prison. They couldn't save anyone. They couldn't plant a church. They couldn't rock the world. And they couldn't change minds. They couldn't do that. God, it's only you. And so we depend upon you. And they were able to take the greatest ride of their life because of that. You know, God has given us a great mission. He's given all the churches all over the world, the church, capital C, a great mission. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. We're to be globally minded, globally thinking Christians for the global glory of God. I already uh, quoted Acts 1.8. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Right? Global impact. It's a big mission. He's given us an incredible vision here at LifePoint of planting churches all over the world. Planting churches all over Tennessee, all over the states, all over the world. He's, we want to see people hear the gospel who's never heard the gospel. We want to see churches planted in areas where the church is, 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 is small or none at all. We, we, we want to see marriages literally saved. And we want to see families transformed and addicts overcome their addiction. And we want to see child abuse decrease and sex and trafficking and slavery. We want to, see, we want to put a dent in those things. Those are our huge vision. That, that's a huge mission. And it's way over our head. We can't do those things, folks. 
We can't. No matter how smart we think we are, no matter how many great programs we think we have, we can't grow this church. I can get a crowd here. We can do something to get a huge crowd. We can fill up the place with people over and over, but they'll be gone tomorrow. So we, we, we've got to depend upon the power of God if we really want to impact the world and if we really want to impact your life and the lives of your children, your parents, your friends. We have to depend upon the power of God. We're completely devoted to prayer. We have to be completely devoted to prayer because we're completely dependent upon the power of God to do anything worthwhile. Listen, we, we want to have good music, okay? I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, man, God has sent us an incredibly talented worship pastor, and he's got an incredibly talented, and, and not just a worship pastor, but an incredibly talented group of people in our church who can sing and who have talent, and so we want to do it as best we can. Why? Because we depend upon that to grow the church? Absolutely not. We want to do it as best we can because if it bears his name, if that's what God's given us, and we do it lack, lackadaisical or lackluster, it doesn't honor God. So we want to do it best we can, but make no mistake, we don't count on our music and our creative arts to grow this church. Man, we want to preach well, to be quite honest. We want to preach well. We want, we want, to, we, we want to preach well. We want to help you understand God's Word. Uh, we, we, want to, we want to preach His Word with power. But listen, we, we, we want to do that because it's for Him, and it deserves all of our study. It deserves our time, not getting up before you unprepared. It deserves that. But we don't count on that to grow our church. We're going to have a good youth ministry. We're going to have a good children's ministry. Because we're going to do something. We're going to do it with all we have because if it bears his name, it deserves our best. But we don't count on our student ministry or our children's ministry or any other ministry to grow our church. We want to have those things. But we don't, that, that's not our strategy for growing our church. Well, man, what, if, we, if we get a really good worship pastor, and if that's what we're counting on, man, Travis, you write some really good songs. You put together a slick worship. Man, you get up there and you play those instruments, and it's so incredibly, man, people's just going to come. And if they do, a couple things are going to happen. As soon as there's a better one down the street, that's where they're going to go because you keep people with what you reach people, okay? But the second thing is, if, if that happens and people come because of that, who gets the glory? Travis and our music, not God. We don't want that to happen. Man, we want to preach incredible messages. We do. We want you to come in and say, wow, it doesn't matter who's up here. It's not about a personality. We want to preach messages that are prepared. But if we count on that to grow our church and people come because of, just because of that, then when, when the church grows, you look and say, wow, that, that, that preacher, that speaker got the glory. We don't want that to happen. Man, we want this credible youth ministry and children's ministry, marriage, whatever. And if people come because of that, those ministries are going to get the glory. We don't want that to happen. We want the church to grow. We want the church to explode because we want to rock the world with the gospel. But we want to do it in a way that we absolutely, it's through prayer because we're devoted to prayer and God's doing some things that the Holy Spirit completely consumes this place. God brings them. You go get them. It's both and. And, and as you're doing that, it's because we are devoted to prayer and nobody but God gets the glory. That's what we want to see here. We want it to be healthy, and we want nobody but God to get the glory. And so we, in order to accomplish the mission, church, we've got to be devoted to prayer because we're dependent upon God's power. If we try to do it in our own, listen, oh, we can, we can come up with a great strategy. We've got smart people in our church. We can come up with great strategies. We can come up, and, and we do. 
Understand, this is what we eat, drink, sleep, and breathe, okay? But it's not the ultimate that we depend upon. It's the power of God. And so we can come up with those things, but listen, it'll only go, it, it's a flash in the pan unless it is completely dependent upon God and he gets the glory. And so we need to be a praying church. Listen, in your life, you need to be a praying Christian because some of you are at a place right now to where your marriage is struggling and you think, man, we can overcome this. I know what you husbands are thinking. Some of your wives are, are going, well, we need to see a counselor. And some of you, all you husbands, probably your first instincts, huh, we got issues, we'll take care of it. That'd be mine, you know, because that's what men do. We take care of things, right? And so, so man, we're going to solve this, and we can work on this, and, and great. You should work at it. But listen, if you think you did it, you're going to get to glory, and you're going to think you're something. But let me tell you something, man. If you fall on your knees and you, you, some of you need to seek counseling, get counseling, you fall on your knees and you say, God, I need you to save my marriage. I need you to help my wife. I need you to help me. God, we are dependent upon you. And, and, and then if you're, when your marriage is saved and your marriage is thriving, God gets the glory. You need to be a praying individual because if you're an addict and you overcome, you want to overcome your addiction, and man, you you get in a great program, you can get in a great AA and 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 all that kind of, or, or whatever program you want to get in, and 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 some of us need some program. We can recommend some good ones if you're an addict. Okay, come to us. We can help you. But if, but if you depend on that, then that program is going to get the glory, not God. But if you are dependent upon God and you're desperate and you get on your knees and you plead with God, then you begin to give God the glory, and you know God in an entire new way. Man, you, you as a parent, you struggle. If you've got a child, you struggle. If you don't, you're probably not a good parent, to be quite honest. If you're not struggling as a parent, that's probably a sign you're not a good parent. Children are probably going to kill the world one day, all right, if you're not struggling. Parents, parenting's a struggle. Man, i got five kids, and the fifth one's harder than the first one because I knew everything on the fifth one, on the first one. I know nothing on the fifth one. But you, you can read all the books you want. And that's great. You need to read some parenting books. But, the, but if that's what you trust to make you a better parent, then the author gets all the credit. Listen, you better be a praying person because only God can make you the parent that you need to be. And only God can do things in your marriage. And only God can help you overcome your addictions the way you want. Only God can do those things in a radical way. And only God needs the glory. And if you're not a praying person, he won't get it. And it'll be a flash in the pan most of the time. We've got to be a praying church. And we've got to be a praying Christian because we are completely dependent upon the power of God, completely dependent upon the power of God. We're also got to be a praying church because not only were they dependent upon the power of God, then they were also driven by the mission of God. And when you're driven by the mission of God, you'll pray. When you're driven by the mission of God, you, you, you won't have anything to do but pray, right? I, I, I mean, listen, uh, when, when, when the early church got together, they were praying. And in Acts 13, they sent out uh, uh, the, Paul and, and, and Barnabas because they were driven by the mission of God. They, they were, if you look closely at Acts, what you find about their prayers is they were being beheaded and boiled. Like I said, they were being ran out of town. And here's what I know they prayed. You know as well as I know that they prayed, God protect us. God help us. We should because that's about communion with God. And I am his child and he is my daddy. I have children and I want my children to come and tell me what's on their heart, what they're concerned about. When Allie Kate's afraid or scared, I want her to come to me and say, climb in my lap and say, daddy, I'm afraid. When something's puzzling her, 
Uh, listen, this was, this was so cool. The other night, if you came to watch uh, War Room, we were watching War Room. My family, we were sitting together, and Allie Kate, my, my daughter, uh, was, uh, uh, was laying on me, and she always, she lays on daddy, and she's a, she's a huge daddy's girl. She, she lays on daddy, and, and, and he, let me tell you, this was, this, was, this was a cool moment for me. At, at a, and it just, I, I thought about it all the time since. In, in that movie, and you're seeing the power of prayer in that movie, and, and, and you're seeing this husband and wife in deep, battle and deep war with each other, right? And you're seeing this husband about to cheat on his wife. And he is a salesman in another city, and so he's at a restaurant with another woman who's not his wife. Allie Kate's my daughter, who is eight years old. She looks up at me, and, and, and she's got a puzzled look on her face. And she said, Daddy, he, he's got another girlfriend. And I'm beginning to think, wow, she's understanding some things and putting some things together. And you know what? As a daddy, I was so, I, I was, you know, and, I, and I, I was talking to her. I'm like, yeah, honey, listen, he, he, he does. And, and it's not right. And, and, you know, but as a father, I just love, she just shared what's on her heart with me. You know, that, that we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about how we pray to him. Jesus said, Father, do you think he wants you to say, Jesus, I'm hurting. Jesus, I'm struggling financially. Jesus, I'm struggling. My man, yes. So you know they prayed. Jesus, help us. We're being persecuted. Protect us. But what I want you to understand is their prayers for persecution wasn't just about God helping them and protecting them and giving them health and safety. And their prayers was God. Here's what here's what we see recorded. God, help us to be bold in persecution. Help us to be bold. You know they said God help us. God, protect us. But overall, God, we don't want to stop, slow down. We don't want to take ourselves out of the game. We want to press forward. And so God, help us. But when we're persecuted, help us to press on and be bold. Because we're driven by his mission. And when you're not driven by his mission, you're not going to pray, God, help us to be bold. You're going to say, God, I, I, you know, it'd be safer. It'd be better for the kingdom if I was alive. And so I don't need to be doing that. And, you know, God, protect us. But when you're driven by his kingdom because you're devoted to his prayer and you're, 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 you're dependent upon his power and you're driven by his kingdom and driven by his mission, God, your prayer overall is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Pat. You know, they were poor people. They were praying, God, I, we, we don't have any money to buy meals. We don't, I don't know if dinner's going to be on the table. But they gave. But they prayed, God, help your mission to advance. And if that requires me giving, I'm going to give. And we see it through the New Testament as Paul's taking up offerings for the church over here because of famine and because of what's going on. And they're giving. And Listen, if you are not dependent upon the power of God, you're not going to be devoted to prayer. And if you're not driven by his mission, you're not going to be devoted to prayer. I can tell a whole lot about you and what's important to you. I can tell a whole lot about your spiritual life if I hear you pray. And I'm not talking about the prayer when we get together and, and, and hey, pray for us, would you? And, and you can pray with whatever you come up with. I'm talking about if you could somehow write down your typical prayer and just let, it, let me read it, I could tell a whole lot about you. Anybody could. Sad thing is, most of those prayers would be, God, help me, God, give me. God, help me, God, give me. Oh, God, save them, but God, help me and God, give me. And our prayers need to be focused on, I think we should pray, God, help me and, and God, protect me and my family. We'll talk about that next week. But I think we've got to say, God, we want your mission to advance. I'm driven by your mission. I'm devoted to your power. Do you know why I think a lot of Christians don't pray and it's neglected? And do you know why? 
I think, uh, as I said, it's hard and it's confusing. But let me tell you, let me tell you why I really think a lot of Christians really don't see the need for prayer. We don't pray because we don't see the need for it. You know why? Because we're really not driven by his mission. I mean, think about it. How much prayer do you need to spend to watch TV all the time? I mean, man, I don't have to pray a lot about it. I'm going to go home today, Lord willing, I'm going to eat me some lunch in front of a football game, right? Now, I don't have to do a whole lot of praying about that, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, do I really need to pray about, oh, God, I need you to help me watch this game. Now, I need to pray sometimes, depending on who's playing, God, I need you to help me keep control during this game, Right? But, I, I mean, do I need to pray about what to do? Do I need to pray when I'm going home and I spend my time playing video games? I need to pray about that. God, I need you to help me with this video game. I don't need to pray about that when I'm surfing the web for hours a day. God, help me. with. The, I, I, you see, I don't need to pray about things that I'm not over my head and I'm not out of my comfort zone. So, so we don't sense the need to pray. But I'll promise you this. If you're driven by God's mission... If you are literally passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus Christ and surrender their life to Jesus Christ, and one of those is your daddy or your mama or your child or your friend or your coworker or your classmate, and you are seriously passionate about it, you are going to be devoted to prayer like no other because you know you can't save your mama, you can't save your daddy, you can't save your friend, only Jesus can. So you're going to be devoted. God, save them. Especially, you listen. Now let me take it a step further, especially if you're going to be the one and you pray that he does it through. God, let, get, give me the honor of being used to say, to, for, for your spirit to open their eyes. Give me the honor of being used as your mouthpiece. Now you're really going to be praying because I'm going to be doing this and I can't do it. Listen, you, you get a soldier, a Christian, as many of your husbands and some of you, you're, you're on a battlefield in, in, in Afghanistan or somewhere, and you're a Christian soldier, and you got bullets flying over your head. What do you think those soldiers are doing that are, that are true believers? You know, I, I, they're saying, God, I, what, what are wives doing whose husbands are on the battlefield every day in, in a battle? You, some of you wives are, are there now and have been there. You know, God, protect my husband. God, I pray that you would keep him safe. You're pleading with God. You're desperate because your husband's in battle. You're, you, if you're on the battlefield, you're pleading with God. You're desperate because you know at any moment one of these bullets could strike me and I have got to be dependent upon God. You're pleading with God. Let me tell you something. That's the way we should be in our prayer life. As soldiers, as Paul calls in Philemon, as soldiers for Christ, we're on the battlefield. And if we're not on the battlefield, we're just sitting around on the sidelines not playing. Man, we don't have to do a whole lot of praying. But if we are on the battlefield, we are driven by his mission Folks, we know we can't do it, and we got to pray. we got to pray. So church, listen, here's the whole purpose of today's message. The whole purpose of today's message is simply this, to help you to understand the necessity of prayer. As we examine the early church and the fact that, man, the headlines are 3,000 get saved. Now the church's growing to 5,000. Man, prisons are being rocked, and uh, and people are escaping from prison miraculously. And I mean, man, all, all these stuff that we say, wow, that church... The, the sub-narrative to all, that's prayer. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer over and over and over. They were devoted to prayer. Church, we've got a mission we can't accomplish. We want to plant churches all over the world. We've got missionaries now all over the world. They can't open anybody's eyes to the gospel. We want you to live sin in every area of your life. You can't open anybody's eyes to the gospel. You can't save anyone. We can't plant churches. We can't do this. But God can. We've got a huge mission. 
And church, we've got to be a praying church because we are totally dependent upon the power of God and we are totally driven by the mission of God for the glory of God. So we've got to be a praying church. We want you to be a praying individual and we together have got to be a praying church. And so let me, let me tell you what, what we're going to do. Travis and our band is going to come back out, and they're going to sing us out. But before they do, man, I, I want you to spend a little time praying. Let me tell you what I want you to do this week. I want you, for your quiet time, I want you to look and study and have your devotion in the model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. It's in Matthew 6. It's in Luke 11. Matthew 6, Luke 11. Luke 11 is when some of his disciples see Jesus praying, and they say, we, wow, we we pray three times a day. We don't pray like you pray. Teach us how to pray, Jesus. And so he gives them a model. We're going to preach through that next week. Love to do a whole series on it. It'll take about a long time. So we're going to hit the high spots next week. Just learn some things about it. So this week I want you, Matthew 6, Luke 11. Matthew 6, Luke 11. Look through those every day. You can read Matthew 6 one day, Luke 11 the next day, then go back. You can, you can break them down however you want. That's the great thing about your devotion. Sometimes I do a verse and I stop because I've got to wrestle with it. Sometimes I'll do four or five verses. Very rarely do I ever read a chapter in my quiet time. Very rarely. Because, man, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to read it through. I want to I read it. And I want to, I, I God, teach me your word. And, man, there's so much in every word that I could stop and go, wow. So, so Matthew 6, Luke 11, this week, study those things. Matthew 6, Luke 11. We'll talk about them next week. Also, what I want you to do this week is I want you to begin to pray about someone that you are completely dependent upon God to save. Now, I want you to think about many people, okay? I want you to think about many people that, that, and, and start writing them. Don't pray that old missionary, oh, uh, save them, Lord. Who, pray that, but then start putting names to it. But now I want you to think about who is that person that you want to plead with God to save? Is it your dad, your mom? Is it your child? Is it your aunt, your uncle, your family? You, who is it? Your best friend? Who are you pleading with God to save? I want you to think about that, and I want you to begin to pray. God, help that person. Help mama, help daddy, whoever. God, plead with God to save them. Tell God you know only he can do it. Plead with him and then ask him to give you the honor of being a part of that. And then I want you to pray this week that God would absolutely, this church would be completely obedient to the word of God, driven by the mission of God, dependent upon the power of God for the glory of God, and that we would do everything we need to do. We would sacrifice whatever, we would pay whatever to make sure that disciples are made and churches are planted all over the world. I want you to pray, pray, pray. I want you to be devoted to prayer. And so I, I want to I do that as, as, as we go out. If, if you want to talk to us about anything, come back to the next steps. But right now, would you just close your eyes, and our band's going to come and sing us out. But close your eyes right now, and I, I want you to do that. Would you right now, would you pray, begin to pray right now, God, save, you fill in the blank. Plead with God. Who is that one person? Plead with God, knowing that only God can do it. And you want that person to be redeemed. Plead with God to do it. Ask him to help you have the honor of being used for that. Plead with God. Ask God to help you get out of your comfort zone. 
to get into battle. Ask him to help you live a life that's above, a life that, that, that is not ordinary, a life that is not just routine, but a life that is dependent upon him. Continue to do that this week and shift gears right now. And you pray that God would help this church be radically devoted to prayer because we are completely dependent upon the power of God, driven by the mission of God for the glory of God. Would you pray right now? God, help this church to be on mission. Each individual and corporately. See, we want to do things and be a part of God doing things that we can't explain. We don't have a small vision to plant a few churches and see a few people come know the Lord and to baptize a few people this year. We want to see God do something that we cannot explain. Would you pray for that? You know, I, I truly believe that most Christians don't have joy. The, the Christians that don't have joy, they don't have joy because we're not radically devoted to God's glory. Because it's when we're radically devoted to God's glory that we will have the most joy. That's my prayer for you this week, this year, for your life. God, I pray for this church. I pray for each individual in this church. I, I pray, God, that we, God, wouldn't play church. God, if, if, if coming to church on Sunday is our objective, we don't need to pray a whole lot about that. God, if coming to church and putting together a good worship set and saying some words, we don't have to pray a whole lot about that. If, if, if we come to church, go home and just come back next Sunday, that don't require a lot of prayer. God, we don't have to be dependent upon your power if, if all we're going to do this week is do that and then go home and go about our life. God, I pray that you would knock us off center. God, I pray that we wouldn't just come to church on Sunday, but God, we would come to church on Sunday to be the place to where we gather to magnify your name because you have to be supreme. And when you are supreme, when we worship you, when we acknowledge you, when you are the thing that's most glorious in our life, not only will we receive the most joy, but God, you will receive glory and every moment of our life will be lived on mission. God, I pray that you would literally help your mission to drive every person that calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that your mission, we, that we would be driven by your mission in our marriage, that we would be driven by your mission in parenting, that we would be driven by your mission in our job. God, I pray that no person in this room that's a believer in Jesus Christ would see their job as just a place to go make a buck, as just a place to go make a, a, a living and, and to get a slap on the back and get a promotion, but a place where they are sent on mission. God, I pray that they would see people in their office and, and, Lord, in their home and in their neighborhood. Lord, I pray that when they go to the ball field, it wouldn't just be so their kids could get to play some ball and we would get to relive something of our childhood. And, Lord, I pray that we, in doing that, that would be our mission. God, I pray that we would literally be devoted to prayer because we are dependent upon your power. And, God, I pray that we would live lives that are dependent upon your power. Not normal, 
not just Lord watching TV and playing video game normal not just going getting up and going to church and Groundhog Day today's the same day as yesterday will be the same day tomorrow God help us to get up every day and say today is the day you have created you've allowed me to wake up because you still have mission for me to do that's why air's in my lungs and blood's in my veins and I'm going to do it God I pray God that you would awaken our souls to your mission anew renew that Awaken us every morning, not just physically with our eyes, but spiritually in our souls to be alive to your mission. God, help us to be driven by your mission for your glory. That's my prayer for this year. Driven by your mission for your glory. Then we will be devoted to prayer because we will be dependent upon your power. God, do things that we can't explain. Do things that cause us to say, God, is who I'm chasing because he is God. God, do that in this church. God, help us to depend upon you and give you glory. Worship you, adore you, chase you, run hard after you. We love you. Help us to live it in Jesus' name. Amen.